Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode number 80. going i was uh duplicating this file and renaming it and deleting last podcast make the new podcast and i noticed last week i said hello listener singly which i think is pretty funny (laughs) just for one person i haven't actually looked at the stats on this podcast for a long time at one point it was a well over a thousand but i bet it's gone down not up call it a hunch (laughs) <laughs> I think it was like 1700 the last time I looked. That's pretty legit for a podcast about nothing. You guys are pretty swell. But I bet it's gone down. That's I don't really have the heart to look. Uh yeah, anyway, what's going on? It is day number 263 of my quarantine here in North Chatham County, North Carolina. I just finished making a Christmas list for my my wife and mother-in-law because they were bugging me about being hard to shop for. And, you know, uh, that's kind of fun. It's a lot of stuff that, like, is hard to justify, you know, but you'd be psyched if you owned it. That's what gifts should be, right? That's what I think. I mean... It's sort of utilitarian, but not really. It would make your life easier, but and it's useful, but you don't really need it because maybe you already have one. It's just on the other floor or something like that. I don't know. But that's kind of fun, uh, trying to be helpful there. We had a lovely Thanksgiving yesterday. How was your Thanksgiving? You have a good time? Uh, I hope you had a good time. I made dinner for the fam. Uh, I scaled things back a little bit. We always have a pretty small Thanksgiving. I mean... Most of the time, it's just me, Emma, Janet, and Jane. Sometimes we have guests. Uh, in the five years that we've been here, we've had guests like two or three times. So I guess, you know, more often than not, we have guests. But it's never very many. Like, we had a couple visit from New York one year, and we had a couple come over from Cary one year from, with a couple kids. But it's always pretty small, so it wasn't really like a big sacrifice for us to have a small Thanksgiving. But nonetheless, in the spirit of minimizing Thanksgiving, I did modify the meals a little bit, you know. I only cooked the turkey breast. I did the bone-in turkey breast, but, you know, I didn't get a full turkey. No, it turns out none of us eat dark meat. Uh, (laughs) I mean, well, kind of. We'll eat it. You know, we're not, like, picky about it, but it's just not our preference. And I was like, well, I guess they make this perfectly good breast. My whole concern is I didn't want, like, a deli breast, right? I wanted the skin on. I wanted to be able to, like, do my brining and all that. And I found a nice turkey breast, and so we made that. It worked out great. Uh, and then, you know, still like, uh, Emma and I have been together almost a decade now, but there's still sort of a process of merging your, your traditions and histories together, which vegetables you have with your Thanksgiving or what stuffing recipe. Emma really likes her mom's stuffing and I uh, use that recipe now. And I've modified it over the years. Emma wanted carrots in it and she wants some softer. I used to make the stuffing that I liked, which was sort of like a sa- Italian sausage cornbread thing. But now I just don't bother making that one. And then we have differences of opinions on our mashed potatoes. Emma likes them chunky with the skins in. And I like them creamy and full on, you know, whipped and smooth. But I just make hers now because I don't really care that much. <laughs> So it went well, and Janet makes the uh, apple pie for dessert every year. She does a great job. It was really, 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 really good. Um, yeah, it was a good time, you know, and we were very too full to do the the Christmas stuff. That's another sort of negotiated new establish your family's tradition. Um Emma grew up with Jehovah's Witness, so she didn't really have, you know, holidays in in that normal sense. And so she really loves them and she wants to do it right after Thanksgiving. And we, you know, I grew up in a pretty religious household, but, and we cared a lot about Christmas, but we didn't really get around to decorating the tree till like first or second week of December, you know? So that's been a bit of an adjustment for me these years. And it turned out we were all too tired to do it yesterday, but we did it this morning. That was great. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Big difference with Jane, right? Last year, she barely cared what was going on about us decorating the tree and maybe was sort of bad at the ornaments down at the bottom. But this time she was helping and she was really into it. And she understands kind of that Christmas and New Year's are special. Or Christmas and Thanksgiving are special days. 
uh, I've caught her saying today, tomorrow, once in a while. So I think she's starting to understand the concept of days. But, you know, those sort of abstract concepts are still a little hard for her as a child, as a three-year-old, just newly turned three. But it was really super cute. She really loved Thanksgiving. She liked stuffing. She loved cornbread. Oh, my God. She was obsessed with the cornbread. I make cornbread a lot, so she we we knew she was obsessed with cornbread. But she, you know, she she tried the stuffing. She liked it. She liked a little bit of turkey. I think she's confused by turkey because there's a lot of different types of turkey in this house. So you know, we get deli meat sometimes, and sometimes I'll make like a turkey tenderloin. And then there's this with the skin and the bone, this big sort of beasty monstrous thing. And I think she's confused, but she was like, "Well, I like turkey," so she sort of gave it a shot. Uh, she liked the corn. She, uh, we didn't give her the carrots. We <laughs> were very jealous of our stewed carrots. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was great. It was a good time. And then I did a zoom last night with some friends. Actually, it's called gather. It's this weird sort of virtual space with bars and stuff. You move around and you talk to your friends, but after like 10 minutes of playing with the novelty of it, you just sort of put it in zoom mode and you guys just see each other. It's, it's kind of funny. One nice thing is you don't have to look at yourself as much though. So that's, that's definitely a plus. Uh, yeah, lovely holiday, Christmas decorating, listening to some indie rock Christmas tunes this morning while we were decorating the tree. Uh, yeah, man, it's, it's nice. I'm on day, what's today, Friday? So I guess it's day seven of my vacation. I have a nine day vacation. I took the whole week off because we give Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off anyway. So who's not going to use two of their vacation days when you haven't used any of my vacation days this year? I think I have like 17 left, 16 or something. And then I was going to do the same thing at Christmas. And I was like, eh, whatever. And I took like one extra day off. And our vacation days don't roll over. So uh, anyway, it's been lovely. Uh, I, you know, I've been out in the garden outside. It's been really sunny and gorgeous. It's been beautiful, beautiful autumn days here. Rained yesterday, um, but that's about it. And it's been lovely. I've been getting a lot done. I feel good about that. Although I should qualify that in my mind, watching YouTube videos and finishing television shows that people are talking about counts as getting stuff done. So in fairness, I've probably spent way more of this holiday in front of the television than I should have, but I've been doing stuff. I've been doing stuff. The kitties are good. Uh, we got them all fixed across two two trips. I think I told you guys about that. Callie, the calico lady cat, uh, you know, she is... Uh, the fixing scar was a little bit rougher on her. It's been getting irritated. She's been playing with it. So it's been a longer recovery with her. We had the vet come by. Our vet is awesome. They make house calls. They do it outside in masks. It's lovely. And she says Callie will be okay. So that's good. Uh, so I haven't been feeding them because Emma's been sort of keeping them in different places and dealing with all the sort of, you know, like care of the cats and told me not to feed them because they don't, she doesn't want to feed them that early in the morning and it's complicated. So I kind of miss them. Uh, one of them got a home, so we're down to three cats now. The two we're keeping and one more foster kitty. And uh, we're getting closer to naming them. We've sort of figured out like a naming convention and sort of the spirit of the names. And I think we're we're, we're, we're pretty close on, on Callie, the, the lady calico cat's name. But uh, the boy, we're still working on the black cat. But we're getting there. We're getting there. The cats are doing good. We're sort of introducing them to the rest of the house. And, and you know, it's nice. I'm ready for them to be meandering around, though. They're like, instead of cooped up in that room. I mean, it's a big room. They're fine. They're not, it'll feel cooped up. But, you know, it's going to take a while to really acclimate them to the whole house. And I, I just I like the idea of them roaming a bit more, you know. Uh, yeah. And then let's see, uh, the diet, I haven't been dieting and now I'm not going to obviously between now and Christmas, it's, it's into the, the, the abyss, into the fray, into the no man's land. But I did have the new low yesterday. So that's pretty good. It was like, mm, yeah, I forgot how, what I peaked at. Let's check one second. Okay. Well, it looks like I've lost about 16 pounds, uh, which is fine. It got me out of sort of like a worrisome territory back into not amazing, but normal territory. And then I think I'm well positioned for the new year diet hardcore. So we'll go then. But you know, it's hard because I've been getting really into baking. I've been trying to master my bagels. I've gotten really good at New York bagels. Thanks to my friend, Catherine, who's sort of a professional cook baker restaurateur out in Marfa, Texas. If you're ever in Marfa, let me know. And uh, she's, well, don't go right now. <laughs> having a bit of a corona problem out there. But uh, anyway, she's, you know, spent a lot of time sort of trying all the different major bagel recipes and modifying them and stuff. And so she sort of sent me a modified Reinhardt and I've uh, been getting really into it. 
And the last few batches have been really good. I haven't hit the perfect batch, but I think it's coming. I think the next batch is going to be perfect. But, you know, I mean, with that and like I've been baking cornbread because Janet's mom gave me a bunch of posh. I mean, Emma's mom, Janet, gave me a bunch of posh cornmeal and Jane really likes it. So there's that. There's just been so many baked goods in the house. And it's, you know, it's been hard. It's been hard. But given all of that, the fact that I have not gained any weight over the last month has been very, very successful. And I'm very proud of it. The big health problem now, in addition to my neck, which has been bad, and it's been uh, turning to the left has been really bad again for about a month, and I need to get it fixed. And I'm doing my stretches, and I'm trying. But on top of all that, I have developed a trigger finger. Um, I write about this in my Facebook post a few times, but I guess I never mentioned it on the podcast. My friend Paul sort of texted me today. He's like, oh my God, I have one too. Have you talked about this before today? And I have, but only on Facebook. I haven't been mentioning it on the podcast, but it's bad, man. It's like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. So uh, just five or six years ago, I was at a wedding in San Francisco and I took a limo from the wedding back to my hotel. It was really late. It was like one or two in the morning and I had an early morning flight back home. It was one of those fly in, fly out kind of things. And I lifted myself up off the seat of the, the limousine and I pivoted to the left to get out the door. And when I pivoted, my left hand turned, but my left index finger did not turn. And I completely dislocated it at the knuckle, right? So, like, the from the knuckle of the fingertip just dangled. I walked into the hotel. I walked into the elevator. I was pretty drunk, thank God. And, you know, it's one of those fancy mirrored elevators. This is the uh, W Hotel in San Francisco and Soma there. And I got in the, the elevator and I looked in the mirror and I held up my finger in front of me and my index finger and it was dangling straight down. And I was just like, well, I got to get on a plane in four hours. I mean, I literally was going to get like two hours sleep and go to the airport. Right. So I just sort of like bit my lip and stuffed the finger back into the socket. And it hurt real bad, but you know, the booze helped and I went to sleep for my two hours, got on my plane. That's back when I could drink a lot, sleep for two hours and fly home. And, and I got back to New York. Is still in New York. So obviously it was more five years ago. I think they just had their 10th wedding anniversary. I lived in Soho. So it was probably like eight, eight or nine years ago. Anyway, uh, beyond that, I was pretty responsible very quickly in the next day or two. I went to the doctor. I got an x-ray. I got an MRI. They said it was all fine. Uh, but to this day, I can see the lump in that finger, right? And that is my left index finger. And so when I first started getting this trigger finger thing, like my knuckle got swollen and it really hurts and I can't bend it and it locks in place and it's really disturbing. It started about four months ago. And when it first started happening, I thought it was the finger that I had twisted in the limo incident, but it wasn't. It's the finger next to it. And I suppose it could still be related. I don't really know, but it's really bad and it's getting worse. Uh, and it turns out several of my friends have this problem as well. Like uh, my old drummer, Craig from Rocket Thrust on the Streetland has this problem. And my old friend, Nick, who is also a drummer, coincidentally, and several bands, most notably The Life of Saturdays, he uh, also has a trigger finger. And so, you know. Nick and his wife, Megan, and their son, Henry, they visited us uh, since the last podcast, maybe right before. I can't remember if I talked to you guys about this. He has a camper. I'm like four levels deep in this story right now, but we're going to go with it. Anyway, he's got this camper. They need to see their parents in Texas. They live in Wilmington, and so they're they're not camper people. They don't really know how to use it, so they've been doing small trips to practice. And so I offered up my driveway. They came out here. They stayed in their camper for the weekend. Uh, they did not come into the house once. We all socially distanced outdoors, hung out, only wore masks. And uh, it was great. It was a great time. And, uh, you know, just to be safe, Janet also stayed home for the next week to make sure. But, you know, we are, we are very, very careful. We are very, very paranoid people. Anyway, when Nick was here, he was teaching me about these stretches he would do on his index, his trigger finger to make it better. And so I've been doing those stretches and they do kind of help. But I also think it's getting worse. And. You know, that sounds kind of paradoxical because like my first thought would be like, are the stretches making it worse? But I don't think the stretches are making it worse. And, you know, I he followed up and sent me the article about the stretches from the Mayo Clinic and stuff. It's not like he's making it up. You know what I mean? And but it's, I'm getting kind of despondent about it. And yesterday I had this epiphany that I should just cut the finger off. Now, I don't mean like, I, you know, don't worry, I'm not like a weirdo. I'm not going to like chop my own finger off or anything like that. But uh <laughs> I don't think I need this finger. It's on my left hand, which I, you know, I don't use my left hand as much anyway. It's my, it's my middle finger. So it's not my index finger, which I would definitely need. I mean, if it was the ring finger, well, I mean, that's where I wear my wedding ring, but I could work that out. Um, 
<laughs> my wedding ring was $5 off of Amazon and it's titanium and I have them in three different sizes. So if I lost that finger, I could just wear it on a different finger. No big deal. But you know, I think it'd be like kind of worth it to just get rid of the finger. If I thought that would get rid of the problem, I would do it. You know, I don't type with it. I, I have a weird modified form of typing. I mean, I use it, but I've already subconsciously edited that finger out of my typing routine because it hurts to type. It locks into place. I can't bend it. I'm wearing a splint at night on it now. And it's just a nightmare, man. It just sucks. And one other funny thing about this whole thing is that in the neighborhood, there is a renowned hand doctor. <laughs> he just moved to the neighborhood this year. We don't really know him. Um, but we see him once in a while when we're out on our walks. And Emma's like been kind of like, and mind you, back to the limo incident, I already had a finger problem, right? So like even before this trigger fingers started getting really bad, we've had this running joke that we would befriend the hand doctor. So whenever we see him, like one time we saw him in the summer and we were walking by and he was like weeding the gap between his pavement and on the driveway and the road. And I was like, oh, you know what works really well there is some like organic thing. I don't remember vinegar or something that kills these weeds. And we, you know, we try and talk to him but he he you know and now it's pandemic year right like we don't see him very often so i don't really know <laughs> and i'm like maybe i should talk to him about it but i don't really know i mean i have his email because i'm the treasurer of the hoa but that just seems presumptuous but it seems easier to me to just sort of chop, chop the finger off uh because craig the drummer he said he got surgery and he regretted it and a couple other people on facebook said they regretted it as well so I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. And it's kind of bumming me out. But yeah, that's like the big health problem right now. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things with the coronavirus out there and all that, I, I will take my one health problem. It's fine. I got a lot of friends who've caught this thing in this third wave. Uh, a friend in Boston worked in a restaurant. And they were all very careful, but eventually hit the restaurant pretty hard. I think like eight, seven, eight people in that restaurant got it. And then she accidentally gave it to a friend of ours, which is insane. Let me tell you this for all those people that decided to go home for Thanksgiving because of tests, right? Uh, it was a vet emergency. They needed to get a dog to the vet. She doesn't have a car. So she asked our friend, you know, to drive her there. And she asked because that friend had just gotten a coronavirus test and it was negative. And Nonetheless, they were extra careful. One sat in the front seat driving. The other one sat in the back seat. They both wore masks. They kept the windows open. It was the only person she'd seen was this vet incident because she had to go to the vet and she caught it. So that is a little alarming. I mean, they're all doing okay. Nobody's like going to the ICU or anything like that. But it's just, it's just really stressful. And, you know, I mean... When Nick visited, we were all very careful. We stayed outside. But, you know, the kids, right? Like, Henry's, like, eight or nine, and he's tooling around on his scooter. And Jane's, like, fascinated with these new people. And whenever she would walk up to them, we tried to wear, have Jane wear a mask. And she did a pretty good job. And we'd all put, put our masks on when Jane was walking. But, you know, we did our best. But when I hear that story about the car, I'm just like, ooh, man, you know, any little risk is just, it's just rough. So we're just locked away here in the house again. Uh, I've changed my shopping routine because the store opens at 6 a.m. again. The Harris Teeter does. They had done limited hours for a long time, and it really sucked because I would go. They were both opening at 7 there in the Walmart, and I had to hit both of them for groceries. And so I go to Walmart first, and then I went to Harris Teeter. But Harris Because it used to have from 7 to 8, it had like the senior special hour. But now they're open at 6, and they go on a different day, so I can go to Harris Teeter first at 6. Walmart doesn't open until 7 still. They change their hours in, like, January, and they haven't changed their bag. It's kind of crazy. But, um, uh, yeah, there's, like, no one at the Harris Teeter at 6 a.m., right? I can count. There are three people go in when I go in, as opposed to, like, 8 p.m. on Seniors Day when it was just, like, too many people. And the other thing is there's, this, like, Starbucks right in the front of the Harris Teeter, and I think it opens at, like, 6.30 or 7. So when I go there now, right, first thing, there aren't, like, a bunch of yahoos standing around loitering in front of the Starbucks. Ugh, it drives me crazy. Like, they've made no effort to make that Starbucks not socially distanced, and it blocks all the registers, and eight months into this fucking thing, and Harris Teeter still doesn't have Apple Pay or anything like that. It's just, I hate that place. I hate that place so much. <laughs> but now I can go at 6 a.m., so that's a lot better, so been amping up the health protocols even though you know it's hard to maintain paranoia constantly but we are doing our best we are doing our best uh projects <laughs> you know when i was working on the prep for this podcast i was going to say i've abandoned all pretense of having projects but i i think really what's going on is i am keeping busy and i'm doing projects and i'm creating and i'm i'm 
doing stuff, but I'm not necessarily, I don't really necessarily doing things with an output. And even though I have to be kind of fair, I did finish editing Andy's book, the journals. I got that published. I sent out all the copies to Andy's friends. So that was a huge project. That's done. I mean, you know, on its own, like editing, assembling, producing, and shipping a book during the pandemic should be enough to make me feel like I'm being productive. But it wasn't my book, so, you know, it doesn't really count, right? And uh, so, but I, you know, if I'm trying to be fair to myself, that's a thing, and I got that done. I do these daily Facebook posts, and I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the year end, right? So let's back up on that. Every year, at the end of the year, I have this big list of tasks that I need to do to like sort of end the year, right? So here, you know what? I will I will read them to you. Let's find my year end list. End of the year. Here we go. I got 18 items. So I uh, I upgrade the time machine Plex drives and I the Plex or the the Plex and time machine drives and I, I cold storage them and put in new improved drives. Uh, there's a questionnaire attached to our will that's about personal property disposal and stuff like that. And Emma and I go through the questionnaire, make sure everything on our will is up to date, and we send that off to the lawyers. Uh, I do this sort of reconciliation between Discogs and iTunes. Uh, when I ship Discogs orders, I don't mark them out of my c- collection and all that stuff. And so at the end of the year, I go through all the stuff I stole in Discogs and I remove it from my Discogs collection. I download the artwork. I go to iTunes. I clean up the tags and everything on that artist and I update the artwork. Then I put all the artwork in a folder in my scrapbook folder that sort of updates with my screensaver. And my screensaver is all my scrapbook photos. So I do that, uh, you know, and then... Um, I maintain this media consumption list all year and I make the medium post about that and do a little bit of analysis of the media. I consume that'll take 10 minutes this year, but I swear to God, I've kept up with music as you've noticed, but the rest, not so much. Uh, I do this whole Spotify organization, all the songs that I starred for the year. I put into a year's best 2020 favorite tracks and I add them to the, all my favorites playlist, which is my main sort of listening while I work playlist. I do that. I start the new one for the next year and, you know, clean up Spotify, get all that organized. I update my Goodreads with all the books I've read. (laughs) That'll take like 10 minutes this year tops. Uh, There's this old live journal meme. It's like, what did you do this year? What places you visited? Blah, blah, blah. I've been doing it for like 20 years now. I only update my live journal like twice a year, but I feel like I just have to keep doing that meme. Also, that meme becomes the last entry in my book of my journal that year. So that's a whole thing. At the end of the year, I take all my 750 words daily entries. I put them into Scrivener, into a master Scrivener document I have that is my entire journal since I was 16. It's millions of words. And I also make a Scrivener document for that year, output it to Word, do a copy edit on it, and I send it off to lulu.com and I get two printed versions of my journal for that year sent back to me. One goes onto my shelf in my library and the other one goes in the storage unit. Uh, I do this for two reasons. One, I like when I walk into my library and I see them all there because it reminds me I have written a quite a body of output in my life and it makes me proud just to see them on the shelves. And two, like I put them onto paper because it's the best storage medium for long-term archival, right? If all my drives were to fail, I still have the printed version. So it's a backup. Uh, I have a when I die doc that is for Emma. If I die before her, she knows to go to this certain place in the house and there's a piece of paper and that piece of paper is all the instructions she needs to know to deal with our finances and lawyers and all my different collections, who to call to sell all the books, who to call to sell all the records, all that sort of thing. And I update that document once a year. I check all the backup codes because I use very, very strong two-factor authentication on everything, including Google Titan security keys. So I have printed out backup codes. They're only in one place. They're in that box. And so that's there for Emma. Make sure all the backup codes are up to date, stuff like that. Uh, If I've seen any bands that year on the media consumption list, I add them to my master Google Sheet spreadsheet of gigs for the year of my life that I've been working on, trying to make sure that I have this master list of every band I've ever seen. Uh, I do the journals thing. Uh, I Sometimes I try to make an expurgated version of the journals. I'm, I'm okay at this with this eye towards someday publishing the journals, not like, you know, because I think they're amazing or anything like that. Just it's output. And I want to, I want them to be out there. I think it'd be fun. So some years I will make an expert expurgated version. That's becoming less and less, you know, back when I was like a horn dog and a drunk and running around and stuff, the expurgated versions were more important. But these days it's like, 
<laughs> child rearing and uh gardening and not really doesn't really need an expurgated version but there are you know i mean people still i have friends they have problems in their lives they tell me their problems i write about it that stuff doesn't belong in there you know so i might do that uh i have a you know i have a file box i don't know if you guys have one you know all your bills your irs statements whatever the hell comes in through the year i just put it in this file box next to my computer in the library and at the end of the year i file everything appropriately like into my file boxes taxes i get rid of the old ones whatever you need to do with the filing do that once a year i check my domain registrar to make sure that all my domains don't expire because i hate it when domains unexpectedly expire on me uh i parse my captio emails like when I write emails to myself this is my primary note taking method. I use this app called Captio and it's just on my phone on the first screen. And all it does is you type into it, hit send and it sends an email to yourself. When mine sends it to myself, it goes to four places. It goes to my inbox. It goes to my Evernote and it goes to my to-do list. And I to-do list, I prune and keep going pretty like nicely, but the Evernotes, they just pile up and they're an archive. At the end of the year, I sort of move them because like maybe I've done a song lyric in one of them. I'll move that to the songwriting folder. That's a pretty labor intensive task, but it's really worth it. Because when I do start writing songs, I've got this amazing notebook of fodder ready to go. So, you know, that takes like a day to parse all the captios. But I do that, uh, calculate all my charity donations and all that stuff. But that is, I fixed that this year because now I use Quicken for all my finances. So that's automatic. Uh, I sort all of my photos <laughs> from my phone into the appropriate folders on my computer. And if there's any photos of any new knickknacks... <laughs> <laughs> all my knickknacks have a photo of them and the fo those photos are annotated in Dropbox I don't know why I do this but so at the end of the year I go like around the library knickknack shelves and I take pictures of any new knickknacks and I annotate them in folders and put them in Dropbox so I do all of that stuff at the end of the year every year so this year I have this additional problem because I, all year I've been writing on top of my daily diary to myself of 750 words. I have been writing this daily Facebook post for my friends, the public. And many of my friends have been like, these things are keeping me going. Thank you. Thank you. Literally hundreds of friends have told me how much these posts mean to them. And they all say, you should make a book of them. And I know they are. Nobody's going to read this book. But what I also know is that there are 30 to a hundred friends that like these posts have meant enough to them that once this pandemic's over, they are going to be happy to have a copy of my book on their shelf as a memento of that year. So I know I need to do that. And part of me is like psyched about it because although it's not going to be a good book per se, it will be a very good historical document of the year. And it is a book. And I got a thing done during pandemic on top of editing Andy's book. I got a book of my own done. Wasn't any of the books I wanted to write. I am incapable of writing those, but I got a book done. And then so I'm going to do it, right? So the problem is that now I basically will have two distinct separate journal books for this year. I will have the Facebook one and I'll have the one that I write to myself. And when I was writing them all, I mean, it was very conscious to write about different topics to myself each day. I didn't repeat myself. Uh because that just seemed redundant and it's not rewarding to write the same thing twice, et cetera, et cetera. So ideally what I would do is I would have the Facebook book for everyone and then I would have the journal and the journal was the Facebook book and the journal, but that's just a bunch of fucking work to like intersperse the Facebook entries into the journal entries book. And no one's ever going to read that, right? Like these journals aren't sitting on the shelf to be read. They're there because I just want them. I want them there for my own private satisfaction and the two combined are going to be like 1400 pages, which means it's in two books anyway. So I'm going to make all that work to have two books on my shelf versus just printing out the two books separately. So, and obviously it would be hard <laughs> for any future reader of my journal to have to, in the year 2020, keep two books open and read entries and alternating books, but nobody's going to do it because nobody cares. And the only time this would happen is if mythically, magically, somebody actually cared. So if they cared, they'd put in the labor, right? So, but it just sits with me wrong. I'm like, oh, it should really be one book and I should intersperse them. But I just, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I should do it but I'm not going to do it. And it's been eating at me because I know it's the right decision, but it feels lazy. And I, I, I it gives me, it gives me a complex. So, you know, I mean, all of these things are projects, right? And you know, I'm like, always telling myself, Oh, we don't have any projects. Here's another one every, not every day, but almost every day for about 45 days. Now, 50 days, I've shot a time-lapse 4k time-lapse photo of the morning sunrise over the pond. Like our pond is beautiful and the sunrise is beautiful and the leaves are turning and it's just gorgeous. Right. And you know, I, I sort of, I'm not a videographer. I maybe dabbled in video 
20 years ago, but you know, these phones have very good cameras in them now. And so I started by doing it in my basement window and then I moved upstairs to that window to get a better view. And now I'm doing it outside and I've started experimenting with pans. Like if you ever see a slow motion in like a Budweiser ad or something, I stop, I'm sorry, a time lapse, not a slow motion. There's always a slow pan to it. And like, but you know, you can't pan and do 4k on the iPhone. You can only do one or the other because it's just a 4k camera and there's no panning. So then I got this DJI Osmo pocket two and it can do 4k and pan, but it doesn't have a timer. So it, like, you know, these time lapses have to start at 5am. I don't want to get up at 5am and go hit record. So I don't know. I've done 40 of them now and it's getting a lot better, but I haven't done the perfect one, you know? And like this morning there was like fog over the pond and I forgot to do it this morning. So actually I got to go set that up. I haven't done it yet, but yeah, so I've been working on that. That's a project uh, in search of the perfect morning sunrise time-lapse. So, uh, you know, it's a project, right? Projects. I'm doing, I'm doing projects. So maybe I'm being too hard on myself. And now I'm thinking it's more about projects versus output versus creative output that you're proud of. Right. And like, yeah, the Facebook book is a book and I'm definitely proud of the anti shade book. There's not my words, but it looks beautiful. You know, it's not my painting. <laughs> I just assembled. I was a producer. My friend Heather Morgan did the painting. Christine did the uh, cover design. I just did it. The assembly, Lisa did the, the copy edit, you know, but it's done. It's a product, but it's not my product. And I, I, I think like I have a lot of projects. The gardening obviously is a huge project. But, you know, that's different than output. And, and that's a thing that I'm sort of been thinking a lot about. And I don't know how I could have more output with all these other projects. So it's a bit of a dilemma. The studio is in great shape, but, you know, so there's this whole thing going on. This is not a, this is a transition, but it's a related transition. Uh, Mac OS Big Sur came out and I really wanted to update, but Universal Audio, the creators of my audio interface were like, you should not update. We aren't going to do this for quite a while. And I was just like, man, that's so annoying. And so I went looking around and Focusrite, it's another company that makes uh, audio interfaces. They're lower budget and lower quality than Universal Audio, but they are up to date. They're like, their page was like, we're good with Big Sur. And I was like, you know, I mean, I took the time in my life to learn Logic instead of Pro Tools, which I already knew, so that I could use it on a Mac and it would always be up to date that I didn't have to worry about breaking my Mac. I have one Mac. I mean, I own others, but this is the one I use and I use it for work and I use it for recording. And so I need it to be up to date for work. And I can't have my recording audio software dictate what level of the OS I'm on. So I use logic and I spent hundreds of hours learning logic so that I could stay up to date. And then my interface people are like, no. And I'm like, you know what? Not up to you, man. I want to use big Sur, and you need to make it work. So I'm just ditching universal audio. My audio engineer friends are kind of aghast because I'm going from Universal Audio, which has notoriously amazing preamps in their, their stuff, and I'm going to Focusrite. But I only had like a Universal Audio twin duo, and I'm getting like a top-of-the-line Focusrite Claret interface. So, you know, they cost about the same top-of-the-line Focusrite, bottom-of-the-line Universal Audio. Maybe it'll be just as good. It hasn't arrived yet but it should, should be showing up in the next few days, which means I'm gonna rewire the whole studio. In the meantime, what I did is I just unplugged the audio interface and I updated to Big Sur and everything worked great. Uh, this mic I use here is not the same. I have a USB podcasting mic that I use for like Zoom calls and stuff. It's different than all my you know posh mics for my recording. So this mic still works and the headphones are plugged into the headphone jack. And, you know, I'm just what I can do in the short term without the audio interface is all I need to do this week. But what is now looming in my life is that this audio interface is going to arrive and it's basically free because I'm going to sell the old one, <laughs> the universal audio one. They're like max, you know, people always want them. They maintain their resale value pretty well. So it'll be about a wash on money. Uh, and then I'm going to rewire the whole studio because the new one's got more inputs and I will rewire the whole studio. And a friend of mine once said when another friend of mine was having a musical writer's block, he was like, rewire your studio. And so I'm hoping when I rewire the studio in the next week or so, it will sort of spring within me the desire to start making some music again. Maybe I'm putting too much on it, but that's the hope. That's the hope. And other studio reorganizing news, uh, I got an estimate from the last company on shelving. There's this wall, I'm looking at it right now, and I want to put a big shelf on it. And I got like a bunch of estimates, and it's just so expensive. And I would hire the built-in people, but I don't want to like, you know, have 
our built-in people are very skilled. We've used them twice in this house. They are the people that did the original shelving in the house, but they, you know, I, they don't strike me as the kind of people that are going to wear masks all the time, which means I just wouldn't be able to in my studio for like weeks, like a week. It would take them like a week. So I'm going to probably order these shelves, but they're still too expensive. And, you know, I was, uh, each one of them has like a design consultant and you go through the process and I found the one that I like it the best. And it's cheaper than like Vitzo Dieter Rahm 604, but not a lot cheaper, <laughs> but it's a lot bigger. It takes up the whole wall instead. And so I try I'm like, kind of like trying to talk them down a little bit. And they're like, well, we have a Black Friday deal for free shipping. And the shipping is, you know, it's not nothing. It's like 400 bucks, but I'm like, yeah, it's not quite low enough yet. I don't know. I don't know, but I really want that shelf because the shelf and the studio, the new audio interface will be mean a pretty significant reorg of the studio. And I kind of feel like I should do them at the same time, but maybe not. I don't know. I'm still thinking on that. And then I shipped off one of the QNAP units. It turned out after all of that, that one of the expansion units was defective and they recognized it. They gave me an RMA. I shipped it off. They got the, they got it, but they haven't shipped me a new one yet. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so, so all the QNAP stuff is kind of on hold. Uh, I got these cheap 14 terabyte hard drives. I think I told you guys about these. So Emma and I each have one on our desk as a backup time machine. Well, because the time machine drive on the QNAP that is currently offline and it's weird, man. Like the sound of a mechanical hard drive in the old days, it just filled me with comfort. It's going right now. Uh, yeah. I should tell it to skip this time machine back up. Uh, skip this back up. It used to fill me with comfort, but now that grinding sounds like and it vibrates on the desk and it's just so weird. And it's weird how like the, the sort of emotional impact of that sound has changed over the last decade. I don't know. I found that very interesting. Uh, and then the other big organizing thing is like, uh, we've been sucking it up and normalizing all of our tools. <laughs> I counted and we had four different companies, battery tool systems in the house. We had a very old version of DeWalt. We had craftsman, we had black and Decker and one Ryobi and it was just maddening. And it meant that like you couldn't have tools around the house and interchangeable and you always had to put everything back in the same place. And a lot of them were getting old and, and I just sucked it up and I made it like, and then I sat down we worked it out and I, we decided this was going to get fixing and I would foot the bill on it. And basically this is costing me less than my drinking budget in a normal year. <laughs> Save a lot of money when you don't go anywhere. So we're going on the 20 volt max, uh, DeWalt system, and we've been slowly buying all the tools over again. I just gathered up all the craftsman stuff and I sent it off to two of my friends in Boston, uh, Abby and Emily, the Taylor sisters. I was like, anybody want a whole bunch of craftsman tools? And they're like, we do. And it was really nice. I was going to donate them. I mean, I effectively did donate them, but I was going to take them over to the Chatham PTA thrift and donate them. But, you know, my dad bought me that whole set. And so I was like, ah, I'd rather give it to somebody I care about. And, you know, those two are some of my best friends. So it's nice. They got a new home. So I sent them a reciprocating saw, a circular saw, two impact drivers, a drill, three chargers and three batteries. And I've been slowly buying all that stuff. Black Friday really helped today. I got a, I got a good deal on some DeWalt stuff today from Amazon. Um, yeah, so that's been happening. And uh, next up on that will be to reorganize the pegboard over the workbench in the garage because I redid the workbench. I think I told you guys about that. Uh, and now I'm going to redo the pegboard. And I have all new drills and all new tools and all new batteries. And I'm very excited. It's going to rule. And then gardening's been going well. <laughs> this is going to be a long podcast today. I'm really rambling. Uh, the compost bins are awesome. Both composts are doing really well. I'm, I'm now a professional composter. Uh, kind of wish I took the time to find some shipping pallets and made them out of pallets instead of chicken wire and fence posts. They look okay, but the pallets would be sturdier and I think they'd hold a little bit more. But all in all, it's working really well. I spend a lot of time, basically one day every weekend, I spend a couple hours vacuuming up leaves. We have uh, a blower that if you can put it into reverse and it's a mulcher, the vacuum and a mulcher. So I vacuum up the leaves, I mulch them and I stick them in this bin and they're just going to turn into dirt. Full on composting and the other one from leaves and, and cardboard and paper and kitchen scraps and everything. You know, the warm compost pile, I got the thermometer, I got the pitchfork, the whole thing. It's very satisfying. My, my goal to make all my own dirt next year is in good shape. I've repurposed all the dirt as you know, most of my plants now are in the garage, but all the tomatoes and stuff, they're done for the year. So I bought three bins, kind of like those wheelie trash bins. And I 
saved all the dirt. So next year I'll use that dirt plus the compost plus some vermiculite and some fertilizer and I'll have my own new dirt without having to buy any dirt. So that's my goal. And I feel really good about that. Uh, I got a new grow light. It's really awesome. And then Nick is sending me a couple more he's selling. So I, I have a really great growing thing going on in the garage. I'm going to start a little herb garden down here in my studio. I got a little table in the corner of the windows. And I think I can, with a clamp on grow light, I think I can grow like one of those little seven small pots of herbs. I don't use a lot of herbs. I mean, I use a lot of Thai basil and a lot of Thai chilies a lot, but, uh, you know, like parsley, sage, rosemary, thyme. I use those occasionally. I want them around fresh, but I don't use a ton. So I'm going to try and get a little seven herb thing and put it over there. I think that could be really fun. And, uh, but my goal for the winter is to keep the basils alive. I got about 10 basil plants in the garage. I got about 10, uh, five chili pepper plants and I'm keeping over winter growing. Uh, the rest of the chili plants, I cut them at the stems, rest of the pepper plants, cut them at the stems, kept them in the pots, put them under that table, water them, fertilize them, mulch them, cut the whole entire plant off, just leaving an inch or so of the stem. And apparently if you leave your pepper plants like that over the winter, they will last and you can bring them out and replant them in the summer. So that's my goal. Keep my pepper plants alive for the winter, overwintering and keep the basil and pepper plants that I have growing for the winter and not have to buy any basil or peppers for the winter. That's my goal. We'll see if I can pull it off. I'm really into it. Whew. Jane's doing well. Uh, she's more and more talkative. She started potty training. Uh, we would just leave her diaper off for a large swaths of the day and she knows to go to the potty and it's getting pretty close. I mean, she'll still have to wear one at night and there's still some problems with poops. She just won't poop until you put a diaper back on her, but with pee, she's got it under control. So that's very, very exciting. She still has a lot of fits, but she's gotten very good at self-soothing and we can negotiate the self-soothe. And eh, there was one this morning. She touched an egg and it was hot and threw a giant fit, but she calmed herself down and we worked through it. And I, you know, I feel like a very successful parent every time that happens because God knows that is not what I used to do. Whew, all right. Well, let's do the media. As you may recall, I decided to front load the podcast with all those sort of other stuff and then just plow through the media at the end. Uh, I didn't listen to as much music as the last time, a couple times. There's some good stuff, but you know, it's not going to be like endless like the other ones. Uh, let's see. Did not rip any new Blu-rays. Um, Walmart's really been letting me down on the UHD Blu-rays. I did add some Blu-ray from Netflix up there. Just Mercy and Longshot and Ida are up there now if you guys want to watch any of those. Uh, but that's about it on the Blu-ray front. Netflix has really slowed down with the Postal Service slowdown. It's only 7 bucks a month and I probably get two, three films out of it. Well, I guess I get three every podcast. So that's like six a month. That's not bad. That's not bad for the two, two movie plan. I guess it's still worth it. We'll keep going on that. Uh, Discogs. I sold a bright black morning light album. I love that band so much. Oh my God. 2007. I'm going to say maybe six, maybe yeah, six or seven. Me and August Stone and Ben Haas went to England to go see the All Tomorrow's Parties curated by Slint. It was the first of the Slint reunion shows. We went with some other friends of Ben Haas's. Uh, this guy Dudley from the Dudley Corporation. <laughs> uh, just some cool people. One guy used to be in Pinback. Anyway, we all went. It was great. And uh, the first band I saw was this band called Bright Black at the time. And they were just like Mazzy Star slow. They are like low meets Mazzy Star meets country. And it was like... The whole audience, it was packed. It was deathly silent. There was like one light, one white light on the stage and that was it. And I just loved them. And that year I saw them like five more times. And then they, you know, at South by, they played like four shows. They came to Boston. I saw the Boston show. They saw the New York show, but not much else. And then they just disappeared. Three albums, just brilliant band and just kind of disappeared. Uh, so I sold one of their albums today and I thought it was on CD because 99.9% oh, .9 of everything I sell is on CD. And I spent like a half hour this morning looking for it on this, in the CD room closet until I realized, Oh yeah, no, this is actually on vinyl. I accidentally bought two copies of that album on vinyl back in the day. So I remembered and I finally found it on vinyl. It's called motion to rejoin bright black morning light. Just great band. Their, their masterpiece is Cali Alley Tucky. <laughs> Expensive stuff on vinyl, but I think they're on Spotify. They're really good. Uh, I sold the Chameleons UK original CD pressing of Script of the Bridge. Fantastic album. Fantastic band. One of my favorite sort of English goth uh, 
wouldn't say new wave guitar driven sort of bands punk goth just great band and I realized I didn't have that album on vinyl, so I sold the CD and I found a copy of the original pressing of the picture disc, and I bought that on vinyl with the proceeds, about the same price, and uh, it was the only original pressing of the vinyl for sale in the U.S., and I don't like paying shipping from Europe if I can avoid it, and I was a little dubious because it was a picture disc, but it arrived last week, and I played it, and it sounds great. <laughs> it's like the best sounding picture disc I ever heard. Uh, and I also sold the Rachel's music for Egon Scheel. Rachel's was a string band, uh, orchestral driven band by fronted by a woman named Rachel, but also uh, included Jason Noble. Not my friend, Jason Noble, but the uh, indie rock musician, Jason Noble, most best known for being in June of 44. He sadly has passed away, but uh, I used to go see Rachel's all the time. They're just a fantastic band. June of 44 was one of my favorite bands. And there's like a, you know, 97, 98 period where I would see Jason Noble or Rachel's in like some variation two or three times a year. And I really miss them. And I don't own that Rachel's album on CD or on vinyl. I own the first Rachel's album and the third Rachel's album on vinyl, but I don't know music for you on Sheila. So I don't know. Sheila, I don't know if I'm going to replace that one. We'll see. Uh, vinyl purchases got that chameleons disc, uh, test department, terra firma. Uh, that's been in my want list for a long time. And the guy that was selling the chameleons picture disc also had a copy of test departments, terra firma on vinyl for like four bucks. So I picked that up uh, test department. Of course, the sort of anti Thatcherite mining based uh, labor based, uh, industrial band, socialist industrial band from England. They're still around, but they're more of an electronic outfit these days. But their early stuff is just fantastic, scary, industrial. Uh, then I bought Syrup USA all over the land. Syrup USA is uh, a Boston band. And uh, the, the main person in it was this woman that I used to be friends with. Her name was Shauna Carmody. And uh, me and another old Boston friend, Why Mike, were talking about Swirlies which was Shauna's original band. She was, in, she was one of the founding members of the Swirlies. And uh, I like, I'd seen the Swirlies a bunch, but I like hadn't really heard that first record. And I listened to it and I was like, God, this is really good. I forgot how good they were. I used to see them a lot. And, but I kind of stopped seeing them because they kind of changed their tune. And then I was more of a Shauna friend and she started syrup. So I started watching syrup more often, but man, I forgot how good early Swirlies were. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I haven't actually listened to the new, uh, my new copy of the one syrup USA album all over the land. I haven't actually listened to it again. I'm saving it for tomorrow. It's going to bring back some real memories. I wonder what happened to Shauna Carmody. She was a really great person. One of the nicest people, just amazing. So I'm excited to take a trip down memory lane and listen to syrup USA some more. Uh, I got a Margot price, seven inch hustling on the bottle. I got that because I did an order from Third Man Records because I also got this amazing double LP compilation called Southeast of Saturn, which is just fantastic. It is a compilation of 90s Michigan drone and space rock bands. And that sounds very niche, I realize. But if you are a space rock fan in the 1990s in America, Michigan is where it was at, man. I was obsessed with these bands, Asha Vida, Wendy and Carl, Fuchsia. I mean, just hugely inf influenced my life. And that was when, you know, my band, Rockets vs. from the Streetlands, was first started. And we were definitely space rock influenced. And my, my, my roommate, Mike, who is best known as Drekka, is his uh, artist, musical artist named Drekka. He's got an album on Deus Records, and he runs a record label called Blue Sanct Music. He was one of my best friends. He was my my roommate, and we had like rock shows at our house, and we had Fuchsia come over, and we were really obsessed with Asha Vida. And uh, I just Third Man Records just put out this compilation of their of all that stuff from Michigan space rock drone period, and it's just like oh my god, it's just so fantastic. I've probably listened to it like thirty times since I got it last week. I strongly recommend it. Southeast of Saturn, it's called. Um, yeah. So since I was ordering that from Third Man like a month ago, I was like, what else do they have that I want? And I was like, oh, I like Margot Price, so I picked up this Third Man seven inch. Haven't listened to that yet either, so that's for tomorrow. Got the No Flashlight LP by Mount Erie. We've talked about Mount Erie. They're slowly becoming one of my favorite bands. Uh, I ordered it from K Records. They shipped me microphones in 2020 instead, which is uh, Phil Elvernum's later band. Mount Erie is his earlier band. And it was K Records, first off, awesome, right? Like, hugely influential label, been around forever. And uh, I order from them fairly regularly. I got this amazing Beat Happening pink shirt I wear now. <laughs> 
anyway, they sent me the wrong one and I just emailed them. I was like, Hey, you sent me microphones in 2020, which is great, but I already own it. Here's a picture. Uh, you know, I want no flashlight. They're like, great. We'll send it right now. Can you send it back? I was like, yeah, no problem. And then like, I went and packed it up and I, you know, put a shipping label on it and I, I stuck it out the front door for the mailman. I was like, okay, it's uh, on its way out. Here's the tracking number. And they're like, great. We've packed up yours. Here's a tracking number. Like within an hour, a human being answered my emails, replaced the record and sent it out. I mean, that is customer service. K records. Yeah, man, they rule. <laughs> uh, let's see other new music. Gracie and Rachel. The album is called Hello Weakness, You Make Me Strong. And I also listened to Gracie and Rachel's self-titled album. Uh, Nick and Megan recommended them when they were here. And they're a great band, Gracie and Rachel. I assume they're a duet. I assume their names are Gracie and Rachel. I have not done any research on them. Uh, kind of sound a little bit like the Brooklyn-based uh, woman-fronted band Muna, M-U-N-A. Kind of reminded me of them a little bit. But I really liked it. I've given them both two listens, and they're really solid. Listen to the new Olafar Arnolds, Some Kind of Peace, Icelandic, classical sort of thing. Really fantastic. Listen to the new Thor Harris. I talk about Thor a lot. He had those Thor and Friends album. He's the drummer for the Swans. And, <laughs> and he's really funny on Twitter. He has put out yet another new album this year. This is now the third different band that he's put an album out with this year. We had Thor and Friends and we had the other one. And now we have Thor and the Joyful Noise and Thor Harris and the Joyful Noise Players. And the album was called Is Adam Okay? And it was great. Thor is the best. Uh, I finally got around to listening to the Flaming Lips Zyrika. I own it. <laughs> Never listened to it. But my friend Ben Palmer sent me a YouTube video of a guy. Like Zyrika is the album by the Flaming Lips that came on four albums, and you had to play them simultaneously to hear the whole thing. Some guy finally put it all together and stuck it on YouTube. So I finally listened to Zyrika. It was fine. It's exactly what a late 90s Flaming Lips album would sound like. But I'm glad I finally got around to it. Uh, and then I discovered this artist called Vox, V-O-X, lowercase v with a line over the O. She's mostly independent, but uh, Vinyl Me Please selected her as kind of their new artist, and they're releasing a bunch of her stuff on vinyl. I get their email. I saw it. I was like, oh, I haven't heard her. I looked her up on uh, Spotify, and I listened to everything they had of hers. This Body, I Am Not a God, and I Was Born EP. Pretty good. Reminded me of Early Picks, uh, who has since signed a 4AD, P-I-X-X. But uh, yeah, Vox, kind of into it. She's like, uh, she's she's a bit of a weirdo, very arty. I'm into it. She, she, it's cool. Then I listened to this dude. No, I don't even know who they were. Dollywood with a zero for the O and a one at the end. Dollywood one. Hip hop artist, really weird. Two minute songs. Very interesting. Very unique. I don't remember. I didn't. There weren't any albums. It was just like 10 different singles on Spotify. And I just listened to them all. But I was like, wow, this is crazy. It's like I saw a tweet or something like Hollywood's new two minute single is what you need to hear right now. And I went and looked and it wasn't on Spotify, but a bunch of other stuff was. So I was like, OK, I was at all of this. And I was like, wow, yeah, uh, it's like a hip hop version of 100 Gex, if you ask me. But I enjoyed it. Jamila Woods legacy legacy all caps exclamation points uh you know I don't know anything about Jamila Woods I saw the name and I was like I see that name around a lot and I should I think maybe I was watching a show and I shazammed it something and I was like let's learn about Jamila Woods I listened to that album and it was great uh, I'm gonna listen to more uh but I still don't anything about her but I really like the album I started a few songs the new yellow album point let's talk about yellow so if you know Yellow at all, the first thing you probably know about them is their hit from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, so that song. So Yellow have been around forever. That song, Oh, Yeah, was from their third album, Stella, which is probably one of my favorite Yellow albums. But uh, I was into Yellow before that album came out, not because I was super cool or anything, but I had an older friend. His name was Dylan. He got me into Yellow with uh, the albums before that. You got to say yes to another excess and solid pleasure and Claro Cassie and then Stella. And so I had all four of those albums when Oh Yeah came out or right around then. And I've been following Yellow ever since. They are old men now, two guys, Dieter Meyer and Boris Blank. <laughs> I mean, they're probably like they're 20 years older than me. They got to be in their 60s. They, they, uh, I follow their YouTube channel and they're in a few other videos and they are elderly gentlemen now, but they still make great, weird, awesome dance music. And I strongly recommend it. Their new album is called point or just put on yellow on Spotify and listen to them in random. It's good stuff. Uh, snow patrol has a new album with a group called the Saturday songwriters, which is basically their fans. <laughs> 
It's not perhaps the best sign when you learn about an album from The Economist, but that is where I learned about the new Snow Patrol album. And they're like, in a new way that bands are interacting with their fans, Snow Patrol made an album with them. So I was like, all right, we'll give that a shot. <laughs> it's called the Fireside Sessions, and it was fine. It wasn't. It was like mid-level Snow Patrol. It wasn't like their amazing hits or anything. And I love that guy's voice. And I wish he would go to a more reindeer section and be like a sad Scotsman with his other sc- sad '90s Scotsman compatriots. But well, I mean, I guess he's still alive compared to Frightened Rabbit guy. So maybe I shouldn't complain that he's seems to be mentally uh, stable. Tim Booth from James once said that he went to his therapist and his therapist said he could cure him, but he would stop making good music. So if you look at uh, Gordon Lightbody versus the guy from Frightened Rabbit, maybe we just accept that they are happy. So they stay with us, right? I will not glorify sad bastard songwriters anymore as I get older, even though I still listen to them all the time. Uh, I'll say next, next, a band called Porridge Radio, all girl punk band from England. The album is called Every Bad. Learned about them because they covered Who by Fire by Leonard Cohen in a live video that they filmed in a cathedral in England during lockdown. And if you want a one song thing to learn about Porridge, go watch the Who by Fire live in the cathedral because it is a very compelling Leonard Cohen cover. A lot of Leonard Cohen covers are kind of milk toast and like uh, respect the clever songwriting, but don't respect the deep, angry, sort of frictiony spirituality of the songs. But Porridge Radio nailed it, man. That is the best cover of Who by Fire since Coyle did it on Horse Rotivator in the early 80s. <laughs> I'm going too deep. I got to get out of my head. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, uh, Porridge Radio. Cool band. Super cool woman punk band from England. Uh, When I saw that Chameleons record, I went to Spotify to listen to it. And after that, it recommended the John Peel sessions by the Chameleons. And I had never listened to those before. So I listened to those. They're very good. They're early Peel sessions. Uh, Don't fall. Monkey land up the down escalator. Less than human. You know, pre swamp thing. Pre the hits. uh, Peel sessions. And they're great. Strongly recommend. Uh, And then I listened to this thing called Emma Ruth Rundle and Thou. I don't know where I learned about this. Maybe one of you guys told me about it. It's fucking awesome. The album is called May Our Chambers Be Full. Thou is a grindcore metal band from, I believe, Kentucky. I'd heard of them, but I didn't know a lot about them. I have a mild affinity for grindcore, but I don't go that deep. And Emma Ruth Rundle is a singer-songwriter woman with a really beautiful voice. The two combined make the craziest music I have heard in a long time. And it is literally grindcore metal, death metal with like woman folk singing and a kind of like, um, I don't want to say Cocteau Twins because the ethereality of the Cocteau Twins would go more smoothly with grindcore than what this does. But like maybe like a Mary Margaret O'Hara or Sinead O'Connor kind of person singing in a grindcore band. And it's just awesome. I'm really into it. (laughs) I might buy it on vinyl, even though I don't know anything about either one of them. Uh, And then finally, I listened to a new cut copy EP of remixes called Freeze Melt Remixes. And it was pretty good. A little bit too breakbeat in the drums for me, but the songwriting came through and I, I enjoyed it. And that's it for the music. TV. Uh, watched a lot of TV. I'm not going to lie. We finished Ted Lasso. It was fantastic. It was hilarious. I strongly recommend it. It's only 10, 30 minute episodes. It's just amazing. You don't have to like sports. I don't really care about sports, but it was great. We finished the latest season of the crown because my wife is obsessed with Julian Anderson. So there was no way that was going to stay low on the list. We watched it immediately. It was fantastic. The woman playing Diana was very, very good. Uh, Julian Anderson as Margaret Thatcher is a creepy, amazing revelation. It is definitely some of the finest acting that Julian Anderson. I've seen her do. And I've seen her like on off Broadway productions at St. Anne's warehouse and shit. Because my wife is obsessed with her. But uh, just fantastic. Uh, but, you know, I'm old enough to remember Margaret Thatcher, and she gives me the heebie-jeebies. And uh, watching Gillian Anderson, someone I'm quite fond of, playing such a loathsome character, was quite a emotional roller coaster. Strong recommend. The guy that plays Prince Charles is creepy and awful and brilliant. Uh, he really comes into his own this season. Everybody else, you know, same cast as last year, so you know how good they are. But uh, Olivia Coleman is a very good actress. Let's not kid around. Uh, then we, I'm watching The Leftovers by myself. That's my current solo show. It is very good. It's very weird. It's very depressing. 
but I'm mostly into it. I'm in season two. My friend Josh was like, you can skip season one. I was like, well, I don't skip seasons. So I plowed through season one. I thought it was actually really good. I like season one, but then when season two started, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. I get why you could have skipped it. Also, they totally changed the credit opening credit sequence between seasons one and two. I don't think I've ever seen such a drastic credit change between seasons in a show before, but, uh, the second, the new season credits are much better. So that's good. Uh, we are, of course, still watching Great British Baking Show. Everyone we like is out. I'm very angry that Lottie, the death metal fan, goth girl, is, she lost. Uh, she was very good. And, you know, the people that are still in aren't any better than her. It's all just kind of luck this year. Some seasons you're like, yeah, those people are the best people. But this season, there's no, like, standout. And, like, I'm still enjoying the show, but... It's kind of a bum crop, except for Lottie. She was the best. <laughs> Very sad. Mandalorian, season two. Love it. It's awesome. Very excited. Got a new episode tonight. Uh, I've been watching it with friends. We sort of text each other, so then I got to watch it again. So I've been watching each episode twice, but I'm super into it. Eh, you know, some have been more strong than others, but I don't care. It's just like the best Star Wars in Star Wars. And, you know, Rogue One is really good. <laughs> I, I think Solo got a bad rap, and, uh, you know, episodes 7, 8, and 9 are fine, I guess. They're okay. I like them, but, you know. But The Mandalorian is, like, the spiritual successor to Star Wars, and it's it's awesome, and I'm very into it, and I'm very excited to have one to watch tonight. <laughs> and The Queen's Gambit, we are watching that as well. We just finished the second episode last night. It is very good. A little too homily in places for me, a little... Uh, overwrought in the art direction feels a little perhaps a bit 90s in its art direction but I don't mind it's worth it for the red hair and the eyes and the great outfits and you know uh yeah I'm not a huge chess fan <laughs> I'm a student of the insane life of Bobby Fisher so I guess that I can bring that knowledge and interest to this because she seems like she's going to turn out to be kind of an insane person chess player so I guess I can apply my knowledge there uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just interesting and good. And, and I think I like it about 85% as much as everybody else, but it's certainly good enough to keep on watching, man. Uh, and then, you know, Rachel Maddow, you know, the election, I'm still following everything. I'm going to start sparing you guys. Although I will pause and say, I do have a fundraiser for the Georgia candidates. Drop me a line. If you want to donate, we've managed to raise over $6,000 on my Facebook page for it already. I'm incredibly proud of that. So if you're interested, drop a line. But, uh, you know, the I keep, yeah, we won't talk about politics. But what has, has been interesting is that Rachel, right after the election, her partner, Susan, got COVID and Rachel had to disappear for like two weeks. And they didn't really explain it at first. They were just like she was uh, exposed to someone that was infected. And then she popped up from home a couple times right after the election, you know, because it took like a week. <laughs> you may recall <laughs> there was a week where we didn't know who was going to be president. And, uh, but then she sort of stopped and we're like, well, did she get it? Or is she just, I thought she was just quarantining for precautions. And then when she came back, she told us, she's like, my partner got it. And we thought she was going to die and it was really awful. And you need to take this virus seriously. And of course, you know, this is right before Thanksgiving and the pending impending misery that just happened by the way. an apocalypse just happened in the last 48 hours. You just watch, it's going to be bad, but we won't talk about that right now. Uh, anyway, so that was all really compelling, but I, you know, I'm reading my news again. I'm not watching every night. Uh, I'm definitely following what's going, what was going on with GSA Emily. I'm following the pardons. I'm following all the regulatory shenanigans that are going on. Uh, I keep dragging, of course, the Georgia election and Biden's appointments and how Elizabeth Warren doesn't get to be treasury secretary, but I'm okay with Janet Yellen. I read her doctoral thesis when I was working on my ad economics book. I have mentioned Janet Yellen on this podcast before. That's pretty weird. <laughs> anyway, I'm following all that and I'm watching Rachel, but not as much as I used to. Uh, it's really been the leftovers, a lot of the leftovers, uh, the crown, but that's over Queen's Gambit. Now uh, we got to watch this Taylor Swift thing soon. Uh, I don't know what we're going to watch next. Probably finish Queen's Gambit this week. Uh, and then, of course, YouTube. I've been going crazy on YouTube. I'm actually making it a section now because it's basically my main watching thing. I watch a lot of the game mechanic, my Civ guy, but he's sort of on pause again, so I'm done with him for a little while. I've been watching this sort of, I think I told you guys about this plastic recycling collective that makes like open source recycling machines, and I'm becoming very obsessed with plastic recycling. I'm trying to educate myself about the different types and what you can do with it. 
I have secret fantasies of being a plastic recycling magnate if I'm ever in a new job, but we'll see how that goes. But that's pretty interesting. I watch a lot of gardening podcasts. James Prigiolini, Epic Gardening, uh, Self-Sufficient Me, this Australian guy. He's really great. I ordered these giant, big container gardening containers from the Epic Gardening guy. I'm very excited. They shipped. I don't know when they're going to show up here. I watched this woman from an urban seed farm in San Diego. She does these amazing videos. I didn't ever thought about seed farms before. That's pretty cool. I'm into it. They have cool seed farm machinery and stuff. Uh, and I watched these people that own an English chateau. <laughs> they were renovating the guest cottage and I can't get enough of it. A lot of home improvement DIY stuff. I watch Adam Savage, these guys that are on this like off grid ranch called red poppy ranch. And then a lot of like sort of, um, Oh, tractor people like the dirt monkey. He reviews tractors. He's really good. <laughs> I'm like the inner three-year-old is coming back in me. And then a lot of like the Apple and tech streaming people, because I really like was starting to lose. Like I wasn't up, felt, I didn't feel up to date about like codecs and stuff anymore, you know? And, and I was getting confused about like different chips and stuff. So I've been watching like Renee Ritchie on the Apple Silicon stuff and snazzy labs and Epos Vox on streaming stuff, the new gaming platforms, learning about them uh, 4k HDMI 2.1 8k, uh, stuff like that. Just kind of like getting my tech stuff sort of modernized in my brain. You know what I mean? And then movies, all I did is, uh, like every year I watched the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings movies across the Thanksgiving holiday fellowship of the return of the King return of the King and the two towers, not in that order. Got those rewatched and I enjoyed them. You know, it's funny. I thought like maybe I was done with those movies, but I found myself about a month ago that I was missing them and it was perfectly timed and it was just really nice to watch them again. I actually have about 30 minutes of Return of the King left, so I think I'm going to go watch that right now because I think we are about done. I should say there's no books because I have not finished Tim's book yet. I have one chapter left and I just don't read. I, at night, I just stay up and then I go to sleep. So I'll get back into books someday, but not right now. Hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving. Hope you're feeling the Christmas spirit. Hope you're staying safe and healthy. Didn't get the Rona. Drop a line. Miss you guys. Stay safe. And we will talk soon. Take care. <laughs>